Podcast by Committee is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And GameTime's not just about sports. You can get some music tickets. You can get some theater tickets. The holidays are here. Why not check it out, right? Makes for the perfect stocking stuffer. Although I'm pretty sure they're virtual tickets now, so... You know, you can print it out, put a nice little note there. Anyway, the GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Podcast by Committee. Big show today. Uh, repeat beat writer for the first time uh, since the show came into existence a few months ago. Vic Tafer, the Oakland Raiders. Vic, welcome back, man. Hey, my pleasure. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, hey, I want to lead off the show since we last spoke. Um, you know, baseball season ended. I know you're a, you're a high-stakes NFBC kind of guy. Uh, how, how did you finish off? Did you do well? Was no, it fruitful? No, not fruitful, not too well. I don't talk about it. Uh, pretty much just uh, tanked the last uh, month of the season. It was uh, it was very frustrating. It's uh, you know I found like real work gets in the way. I guess when, when the football hits, like that crossover is tough, man. It's easier. Tough. to quit. It's definitely easier to quit if you're not like in the in the thick of things. It's easier just to walk away. So that's probably good. Actually, you probably don't uh, you know die every day with your team. So I kind of died early, but uh, yeah, I just didn't. Uh, Pitching. Pitching killed me. I couldn't forget the bullpen. Bullpens are tricky, so just uh, chalk it up to a learning learning experience. All right, well, I'm very sorry to have brought up the show with that. I thought, I well, now I'm all depressed. You, you're doing well. I th- when we talk, you were doing well. I'm like, oh, let's let's yeah. see how much money you won. And, yeah, uh, yeah sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. right, so, it was over. I'm out. See you, see you later. You know, on the bright side, uh, the Raiders are doing really well. So, right, that's got to be up with all the stuff that was going on. What I really wanted to lead off with was – uh, Antonio Brown no longer on this team, obviously, but was that an event that, that brought the team together and actually has kind of contributed in a way? You know, Bill Simmons talks about the uh, the uh, Ewing effect, the Ewing theory, where you take out like this this one star. We saw it with A Rod in Seattle the year after they you know set a major league record for wins. Is this something where Antonio Brown and all the drama got out of there and the team just got tighter and they're six and four? Is that does that have any kind of play into this whole thing? I do. I do think it had an effect. I think it was such a circus and there was so much noise and he was so ridiculous that I think once he was gone, I think players kind of could uh, catch their breath. And I think the big, the biggest question mark at that point was, can they replace him on the field? Because, you know, the playbook was so so based on him. There's so many plays for him. And he was going to catch, I don't know how many balls. He was set probably every record. John Gruden loved him so much and just was so excited about his place in the offense. So he was just a huge part of the playbook. But got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. They definitely were able to tear it down quickly and build it back up. They've used these three tight ends really well. And they got obviously Josh Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, but they mixed in guys like, you know, Hunter Renfro and now Zay Jones. So the staff's done a really good job of uh, picking things up from uh, from scratch, kind of uh, just, you know, all of a sudden. Would you say, I mean, is this six and four record very real? Is this like a, is this like a team that, you know, could make the playoffs? Is, is this a team that could you know, slide in there as a, as a later kind of seed and just kind of you know, surprise everybody, I guess, from what we thought was going to happen after the, the Brown debacle? 
Yeah, I think it's real enough. I mean, you look at the NFL today, and there aren't that many. Are there any really great teams? I mean, I watched the game this last night. I mean, Phillips Rivers was terrible, and yet they were still down seven. The Chiefs couldn't couldn't put them away. So I'm not sure there's any really Patriots offense is struggling. So I think all the teams are kind of in the same in the same boat. It just takes you know confidence and takes getting on a roll. They've won three in a row now at home, and the players definitely believe the offense is definitely good enough. And all they're asking of their defense is to make a play every now and then, which they have the last three weeks. So, yeah, I think it's real enough. I think the rest of the schedule is definitely uh, not too daunting. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Oh, let's, uh, let's get into the fantasy stuff then. Um, Tyrell Williams, I, I think, is kind of an interesting guy to start with. Uh, since since his, he missed a few games of the injury, he said two games with 80-plus yards and then two with fewer than 50. Um, is this going to be up and down Tyrell Williams? Or, you know, is, is I mean – you look at his targets, he hasn't had more than seven in a game this season, and the Raiders aren't really a huge passing offense right now. Uh, I think they're 28th in the NFL in pass attempts, but um, is Tyrell Williams going to be kind of frustratingly up and down as we enter the, the crunch time in the fantasy playoffs, or is he maybe just going to solidify in those two low games where, where maybe a, a factor, or a reason, I'm sorry, caused by the team he was playing or what, what he was facing? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to really bank on him and do a lot every week. I think both he – I think Darren Waller and he are probably 1-1A. One, one I think teams are trying to take away Darren Waller a little bit, so that kind of makes him unpredictable. So I think Tyrell Williams is definitely their best receiver. I think um, obviously Derek Carr likes throwing him, throwing him the ball, but I'm not sure you can really bank on him for a lot every week. I think it's going to be up and down. But he's definitely a reliable red zone target, so that's always there. So I think if you are going to you know, use a – Raiders receiver in fantasy football, he's the one. And, and Renfro's come on of late, but I think definitely Tyrell Williams is the, is the guy to own. Well, you actually put us on to Renfro in the preseason um, when we were asking, you know, who's a sleeper on the team, who's, who's going to be someone who kind of breaks out and catches a lot of people off guard. And uh, right now, Renfro's second on the team in targets with 48. Uh, since week eight, he's had games of 88, 54, 42, and 66 yards. Uh, seven, five, and six targets in his last three games. It's interesting that the snap percentage still isn't there, though. He's only playing about 50% of the offensive snaps. Um, but when he is in, he's in the slot like 68.8% of the time. Um, is Hunter Renfro, I mean, are we looking at him more like, a, is he maybe on the precipice of a breakout? Or is he just kind of like, you know, six targets, 50 yards a game? Has he, has he kind of found his role in this offense? Yeah, I made a little bit of both. I think definitely he's found his role the last four weeks. He's mentioned he's got more comfortable like running routes like you – when he first came to the league, he thought it had to be an exact. And, but now he's kind of like do a little more freelancing. And as long as he gets to a certain spot at a certain time when, when Carr wants him to be there, then it's good. So I think they see that chemistry building definitely on third down. He's become a huge third down target. So I think he's, you know, he's a good sleeper in fantasy. I think you see, like he's mentioned his last four weeks, his role's increased. He's definitely caught more balls. I'm not sure he's going to be, again, that big, big time numbers guy, but I think it depends on the situation. Like last week, I know the Bengals were bad against slot receivers, so he was a decent play. But I just think he's a guy who, um, if you're desperate, you roll a dice, you might get lucky. But I don't know if he's going to be a big breakout guy uh, the rest of the year. Uh, I'm obviously going to get to the Josh Jacobs and Foster Moreau in a minute. But I think Hunter Renfro is a good place to kind of bring up um, some stuff you put in your last article, which I thought was great because I think a lot of fantasy players are thinking that too. And they were especially with, with Jacobs, who, you know, they're all rookies. Um, Foster Moreau had, first of all, Foster Moreau had an awesome quote. Uh, about he walked up, ripped through the defensive line, kept my eyes down, came out late, and it was easy. Like that's that's just like old school football mentality. But um, it was within the the kind of the scope of asking about the rookie wall. And you, you had a cool moment in there where I guess John Gruden feigned like he was hard of hearing when he was asked about that. 
Um, you know, he can say it all he wants. There's not a rookie wall, but is your hunch that, that you know, like Jacobs, Renfro, uh, Moreau, who has four touchdowns, who is totally intriguing and I want to get to in a second, uh, do you think it's going to happen? Or are, you, are you, like, in your expert opinion, worried about this rookie wall? Not really. I think they've done a good job of using these guys. Moreau is strictly like, I mean, he's, they have the three tight ends are used a lot, and he's kind of more of the um, you know, blocking guy and a play action guy, especially in goal lines. And like that play you mentioned, he got open on play action. So he's got four touchdowns this year, but not a huge role. I think uh, definitely he's a role player, but there's a good job. He's a good blocking tight end. And you mentioned this quote, he's probably, all the rookies are very confident. He might be the most confident of all of, all of them. He's really um, got a, I don't want to say cocky, but he definitely has a little edge to him, which is uh, interesting. But, um, yeah, I think the rookie wall, I mean, you never know until you hit it, like you said, but um, they're trying not to make it a factor. I mean, um, I will talk about Jacobs, I guess, in a bit, but, I mean, even with him, he's going to – We can talk gonna, about him now. We can go out of order. Feel free, man. Yeah. yeah. He's on pace for, about 300 carries, I think 1,500 yards rushing, but they're trying. I know people always complain to me on, on social media and how they want him to catch the ball more often, like fancy players. I thought he was going to catch the ball. I thought he was a great receiver. I think what they've done is that they've realized – it's a huge workload for a rookie. So what they're going to try and do is use Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington more on third down. They'll probably catch more of the passes. It's no slight on Josh's. He's really good at catching the ball, but it's just a way to get those guys involved and not totally wear down Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, it's it's sort of this is kind of a little off off the beaten path, but it's kind of related to this. The offense so far has been what it is. You know, not throwing a lot, running a lot. Um, is there any chance that they would Minnesota Vikings it and switch it up hardcore like halfway through, like with the you know the Vikings were run 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 run. You got some complaints from Thielen and Diggs, and all of a sudden they're passing more. Um, is this kind of like a in a way that maybe like a rope a dope strategy where you think you know what our offense is and then switch it up for the stretch run here and, and kind of throw everyone off guard a little bit, or is this going to keep going the way like we can depend on Jacobs? And we can depend on Tyrell Williams, you know, not getting eight targets in a game anywhere the rest of the way. Um, do, you, do you see anything like that happening? Yeah, I think this is what it's going to be like. I think that both John and uh, Tom Cable both mentioned a while back how they want to be a team where, like, you know, the opponents know they're going to run the ball. They're still going to run. They can tell them where they're going to run the ball. And they're still going to run to that, that area and still get, you know, four or five yards. So that's the kind of their mentality, kind of smash mouth mentality. You got these three tight ends who can all block very well. The huge old line. I mean, Incognito's having a great year. I mean, so I just think that's their identity. I think also part of that is like, you know, if Darren Waller is probably a big play guy, and you look at the last month, teams are really focused on taking him out of the games. He's getting a lot more double coverage and bracket coverage and getting bumped up the line. So I'm not sure Tyrell Williams is that breakout guy, like a guy who can make those big plays down the field like Waller can. So I think that's part of it. I just think that um, this is working. Obviously, they won three in a row doing this. I think John Gruden likes it. The way it's going, and if you watch the games, they run the play clock down to about four or five seconds every time. So they're not—they're not in any rush. They definitely um, got a nice, you know, slow pace going. And they want to be able to wear teams down. Uh, you mentioned Richie Incognito, and I just wanted to like just generally ask, like, has he been just a huge part of this? Uh, It's—I mean, dude took a year off, kind of just kind of came back. Uh, you know, he was fun on Hard Knocks to watch and stuff. It seemed like you know you talked to his teammates when he was going through all those troubles. And everyone's like, oh, Richie, he's a great teammate, one of the greatest teammates we ever had. Um, and maybe this kind of ties back into the Antonio Brown question, but like, how, how big of a role has he played both on the field and off in, in this team kind of gelling and being 6-4 and four right now? Yeah, I mean, when he came in, you know, obviously I heard you know, both sides. I heard all the, the craziness, and I also heard, like, the, you know, you mentioned players in the league saying, you know what, he's actually a good teammate. I mean, 
he really has been. He's come in. He's been a quiet leader and kind of been just been a, a guy that comes in every day and takes care of business and has been very good and no issues whatsoever. I think, um, you know, just one of those guys who's fit. He, he mentioned it. You come in this own line. You got Rodney Hudson. You got you know, Trent Brown. You got veterans, Gabe Jackson, on this own line who are very, very good and very, very, like, you know, um, about their business. I think he's kind of fit in very well. Is is he kind of like a, I guess tying back to Foster Moreau? Is he giving some of these guys blocking tips? Because I looked at Moreau's snap percentage and he's he's pretty high. I mean, for like for what his numbers have been, uh, he's played about fifty percent of the snaps each game. And you know, here he'll get two receptions here, he'll get one here, and obviously those four touchdowns. But is Rinchy is he grabbing these guys and saying like, hey, look, you know, this is how you do it. Here's a little tip. Here's a little trick. Yeah, I think all the guys are good about that. I'm not sure about him especially, especially but like Trent Brown does a great job of talking to younger guys about well, some secrets about the hand placement and stuff. And I think um, Moreau came in as that was just kind of his thing, as a blocking tight end. I think he surprised a lot of people with his catching ability. I mean, the Raiders did say they weren't surprised. They knew he was an all-around guy, but I'm not sure that's true. But obviously he's been a good surprise and definitely can block. So I think um, that's kind of their mentality. I think both, even with the receivers, I think they all realize the importance of blocking downfield and, and getting Josh Jacobs some chances, on, you know, on the second uh, second wave of the defense. Um, you're a fantasy guy, so I was, you know, I'm going through this Foster Moreau thing, and I've got OJ Howard on my team, and I've rotated these tight ends, and it's been just uh, frustrating. You know, I got zero points. So the dude I was playing last week started Austin Hooper. Obviously, had a zero. I had OJ Howard, also had a zero. Uh, so you know, I'm looking at Foster Moreau, and I'm like, you know, I've been chasing all these tight ends all year, and so what if Foster Moreau gets me a zero? Like, I still won the game. I had my zero. I've dealt with this O.J. Howard crap all year. Um, Foster Moreau may get a zero this week, but next week he could get eight with, you know, a touchdown and a catch and, you know, 10 yards and PPR. Um, is, I mean, when you start to become like a four touchdown kind of quote unquote red zone threat or touchdown threat um, and you play with a little bit of that cockiness uh, and just speaking from, you know, a, a fellow fantasy player's point of view, is, is that dumb? Or could he finish the season with six, seven touchdowns? I mean, you see the Greg Olson tight ends. I know it's kind of like a Gruden-Greg Olson offense, but Greg Olson tight ends score a lot of touchdowns, get a lot of yards, and it seems like he split that one tight end into two this year where Moreau's getting a bunch of those touchdowns and Waller's, you know, that that hybrid wide receiver tight end. Um, is Moreau, I mean, yeah, if you can eat the zero a couple weeks, if you're eating the zeros anyway, at least he has that upside of, you know, seven, eight points if he catches that touchdown. Yeah, I think the tight ends are bad enough in this league, fantasy wise, where rolling the dice for him is not not terrible. He's going to score probably every other week. I mean, definitely they use the three tight ends a lot, and I think he's the guy you can't really account for because um, and Waller is such a big threat, and even Derek Carr has got good hands. So I just think that they do a great job with the play action. I think you and you're if you're fearing the run because they run the ball so well, and Moreau is a big part of that. I think that it's so easy to overlook him when he like you know like he said he slides through. And goes the other way, and he's wide open. So I think that's it's worked for them a lot this year, both in the red zone and outside the red zone. They had a huge play in London in the game online. They did a play action, and where Derek Carr looked at Darren Waller the whole time and threw the ball to uh, to Moreau for like a twenty yard gain, which is like probably the biggest play in the game. So he's definitely a big part of the offense. They they love him. So I mean, I think knowing that, knowing they want to get him involved, is, is definitely a good thing. Is he like the the quote unquote uh, handcuff to Waller? I mean, does, he doesn't have that same skill set at all, right? Like, there's if Waller goes down and gets hurt in the next few weeks, you can't just be like, well, Foster Moreau might no, get you know, five of those targets. Yeah, I imagine Carrier probably would fit in that role better than than Moreau. But I think Moreau's got his role. I think if Waller were to go down, I think Carrier's probably more that body type and more that kind of guy than 
Moreau is. I think they probably would you know change their offense again, but I think Carrier would definitely get a spike in uh, activity if uh, if Waller did get hurt. Is Waller, I mean, are teams adjusting to Waller or is this just kind of like, all right, let Waller get his yards and let's focus on stopping, you know, Josh Jacobs and maybe locking down Tyrell Williams? Is is it, I mean, we're, we're in week 12 we're going into by now and, and Waller's been just burning everyone left and right still. Is it a... Yeah, I mean, his numbers are definitely down in the last month, I think. So I think definitely if you look at it, teams are definitely trying to bracket him a little more in coverage. I think there's definitely more of a focus on him. I mean, what they're trying to do now is the Raiders are definitely going to move him around a lot. They actually ran him. A couple of option plays last week that didn't work, but definitely I'm sure caught teams got some of the teams' attention when you watch the film of him, you know, getting a, a running play. So, I mean, they just gave him a new contract. They absolutely love the guy. He's such a huge, like he, he's a freakish athlete who just uh, can run and catch, and also a very good blocker. So I just think um, John Gruden said he's the best tight end in the league, and I'm not just a coach talking, but he's probably top five. I mean, I can't imagine there's five guys better than Darren Waller. So I think. Um, He's a guy. If you if you own him in fantasy, I'm sure you don't get the huge games that you were expecting in the last month or so. But it's always there. I mean, that threat's always there. You could definitely erupt at any moment. Well, like you said, like the other tight ends are such crap. Like there's there's such a void that like if you have Darren Waller, even with his numbers down, you're still ahead of whoever the other guy's playing. Yeah, the ceiling is so much higher. I mean, if, if he has a big game, then you're going to win your week. Whereas you know, like your guy you mentioned OJ Howard, if he has a big game, he's going to get what three catches. So I just I mean. The ceiling for Darren Waller is very, very high. I'm going to get higher. I mean, he's only second year in, in, in you know, um, kind of um, after finding himself, he's second year in this offense, and I think he definitely is getting better every week. Uh, just a guy who I'm sure they have, you know, huge plans for next season just as far as getting more and more involved in the offense. Uh, I was looking at Sport Radar before, before the show, and uh, they got Waller in the slot, I think, like 20-something percent of the time. Is that just like one of those uh, quirks? Like he's the tight end, so yeah, obviously he's kind of on that weird tight end slot line. Or is he actually lining up in the slot as like a true receiver, twenty uh, something percent of the time? No, he's definitely a true receiver, both in the slot and outside. And like I mentioned, he even run the ball this week. So they're aware teams are trying to like you know put two guys on and bump them off the line of scrimmage and, and, and use a back of coverage. So they're gonna move him around everywhere. I think he, he can he can run the whole route tree from any spot, and he, like he has good hands. Just um, I mean, it's pretty amazing just the way I mean how he's you know developed the last year since he got here a year and a half when he first walked in the building. Just um, he's taken on more and more, and they've given him more and more, and I think it's going to keep going. So I just think um, you know, he's a guy. I'm not sure what he'll get picked next year in, in fantasy, but it should be very high because he's going to be even better than he is this year. I would assume it goes back to he's going to be almost maybe like Jimmy Graham seven or eight years ago, where it's like, do you take this guy in the first round? You know, maybe you do. Maybe he's the new Gronk. I think that I, that's my feel is that's where he's going to be in that, that argument. Yeah, I think the one thing that, I mean, it's not holding him back, but I think like, you know, Derek Carr is not going to take a lot of chances. He's kind of, which is probably good for, for John Green's offense. He's definitely low on the turnovers. He's going to pretty pretty conservative. He's not going to take, you know, too many, you know, have guys high point too many balls. But I think if a quarterback were to do it with Waller, he were to throw him the ball in traffic more often, he'd probably make those plays. So he's a guy who can make catches in traffic and high point balls. So, that's the one thing you're not going to probably see is where if it is tight coverage, I think Derek will go somewhere else, whereas other quarterbacks will just throw it up there like Jimmy Graham in his heyday, and Graham will make a play and be you know, like a basketball player. But I think Waller could do that. I'm just not sure that's going to happen in this offense with, with Derek Carr. Man, this is, this is really like as we go through these players and like just how confident uh, I guess you sound about this offense and like how, how legitimate and real it is, it's just crazy to think like where we were – the second week of September, say, 
even the first week is, you know, when all the mess was going on and see like the Raiders are a good team and they're, they're making fantasy contributions and they might actually be a better team in real life than they are in fantasy. Right. Um, back, back then, the was suspended. So we knew the old line was going to be good. We didn't know, you know how good it was going to be. And we all knew, you know, the hype on Josh Jacobs. We hadn't really seen it. Like, you know, you, you hear the hype and you think a guy's going to be good but until you see it in the NFL, you're not positive. So, and then again, Darren Waller, we didn't know he was taking another step up. So, they got some bona fide, you know, star players with Jacobs and Waller, and the old line. I mean, is, is is probably one of the top, you know, three or four in the league. So that's a huge thing. Derek Carr hasn't turned the ball over, so those are huge things for for an offense. And it was like people were painting Gruden and Mayock as you know buffoons, and uh, you know here they've, they've groomed this excellent team with a lot of young talent. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, again, I mean, it's it's funny because I don't look back. I know why I'm telling you, right? Yeah, I don't look back on Tony Brown thing too much, but I, I am curious. Like, say he had stayed, say he hadn't lost his mind and lasted two more days, you know, until the season started. I'm sure he would have had a huge game that Monday Night Football game against the Broncos. And how would the season have gone? Like, would it have been worth it? Would have been, his numbers have been? Would the chemistry have been the same? Would it have been the numbers would have that counteracted the, the, the chemistry they found without him and. Would he have been a headache all year long? I, I mean, it's just fascinating to know. I mean, I'm sure his numbers would have been huge, but I still don't know what it would have the same way, you know, same chemistry-wise if they had the same results. So we'll never know. But uh, to me, it's fascinating just knowing how big a part of this he was. And you took him out, and they've kind of still done well. So it is It's definitely um, – it's a credit to both the staff and the players who really have um, – I'm just going to think about this. I, I have to ask Max Crosby about this, but I think his third – I think his third sack on Sunday. I think he did an Antonio Brown dance. I haven't. I just looked at it the other day, like last <laughs> night. I don't. It was quick, but I think it was. I think it was Antonio Brown's little dance in the end zone. I had <laughs> Max about that because that definitely would be a, a commentary as to what uh, what they've done without him. By the way, dude, I would hundred uh, percent read a story that you wrote that imagined the last twelve weeks with Antonio Brown, yeah, like yeah. Uh, dispatches from the multiverse. I'm gonna write that one down. It's in my, it's in my <laughs> list. <laughs> That's that's that'd be pretty cool, um, you know. Make up a, a high ankle sprain right around week four or something, just to give it realness. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, so Derek Carr week six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the thing is just amazing. I mean, think about him is like people wonder like you know, they're willing to do so much for him, whatever. But just watching him in practice this year, and he didn't practice that much, but when he did practice. I mean, the guy is still incredible. That's why this whole thing is so mind-boggling how we totally, like, just sabotage his season because talent-wise and effort-wise and, you know, making plays, he's still, you know, top three receiver in the league and he's not playing because he just couldn't handle social media. It's just – it's uh, it's really an amazing and kind of tragic uh, collapse. I remember you – I can't remember if you said it on the show or if it was stuff you were writing, um, but it was it was really, like – like he's conditioned, he, he like brings up when he's in that practice. He, I think you said something like he brought up the level of everybody else because he's so intense and into it. Like he wasn't like lollygagging. He was just like he was there. He was in, and then it got weird. Yeah, even on walk, even on walkthroughs or when they're trying to slow it down and not go full speed, he he can't he can't not go full speed. And there's some uh, I know there's some things they posted on their social media to the Raiders where he was beating guys in the end zone and teammates like safeties and cornerbacks are getting frustrated because hey man. Supposed to be a walkthrough, you know. You got, you know, be showing out on video when the guy's killing us when we're not going full speed. But he just, and he's just such a unique and uh, bizarre person. But uh, that's a real thing. He, he could definitely help someone on the field. I mean, if you get him on the field and take away his phone, he'd still be a, a fantastic player. <laughs> um, uh, just speaking on this, I had one more player I wanted to ask you about. Then I got a question from uh, 
from from Twitter. Um, Zay Jones, speaking of Antonio Brown, he's played a good amount. Like from the last three games, 91, 67, 69% of the team snaps. Uh, but it's like every game is 20, 21, 25 yards. It's just kind of like it doesn't it doesn't line up, I guess, with how many snaps he's playing. Um, what's it, is, is he learning? Is he a decoy? Is he is he like a blocking wide receiver they like to employ in some kind of the offense? Or is this like, okay, he's playing a lot. There's going to be a light switch that comes on in like two weeks, and Zay Jones is going to have a very good end-of-season stat line, I guess. Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't see that much of Zay Jones in uh... – in Buffalo, I know he's kind of flash at times, but here he's just been kind of a workman-like guy. I think he's the number four target in an offense, and they're not a huge passing offense, so I'm not sure what the number four guy's going to get you, but they like him. They definitely worked him in pretty quickly, and he has good hands, and he's got some big playability, but I don't know if he's going to have that role. I just think he's the kind of a – he's the fourth guy you run out there, and if he's – you know, if you get down through progressions and he's there, you throw him the ball, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be a huge target for Derek or like a big guy who's going to break through at some point. Is there just a reason he's playing that much? Is it just the like the offense? I mean, he's playing as much technically as Hunter Renfro, really, if you look at snap percentage, right? Or yeah, he's telling you something totally different. No, no, he's, he's definitely playing a lot because they don't have anybody. Else. I mean, he's definitely earned that role, but it's like he's kind of you got you know you can block and he's a every down kind of guy. He's not he's not just like Hunter's more of a, just a slot guy. He can't play outside too much against bigger cornerbacks. But I think Zay Jones. I mean, I'm trying to think who else was on the roster, but. It's kind of fit in there. I mean, they have uh, Trevor Davis is kind of more of a return guy. Marshall Aitman hasn't really made, broken through yet. So I just think Zay Jones kind of found a spot where, you know, he's kind of the, the, the third receiver. And right. will, will play a lot in those packages. Uh, one question I got from Twitter. Um, I want to, it's from at the Halos are back. As of today, are the Raiders winning the Cleo Mack trade? Yeah, Raider fans love that one. They love to the throw back yeah. that. I mean, Someone asked me, would I trade Josh Jacobs in the first round pick for Khalil Mack, which is, you know, what it was. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure I would. I probably, Jacobs has been so good. I'm not sure I make that trade, which was, you know, something I wouldn't have said a year ago. So, I mean, something's wrong with Mack. He's definitely not having the year he's supposed to have. And I think he only has about five, five and a half sacks. I know he's getting double teamed a lot, but definitely not having a typical year for him. So, I think at this point, you'd have to say, yeah, I guess the Raiders have, have, have won that trade. And, We'll see what they get with the second first-round pick next year. But, I mean, Jacobs is that good. I mean, people always question drafting running backs in the first round, but he's definitely shown that uh, he's worthy of that and more. So, yeah, at this point, you can say that uh, John Gruden's got the last laugh. Yeah, and you know, you're know you speaking to a, a New Jersey resident who legally put $5 futures on the Chicago Bears to win the Super Bowl. So that's <laughs> very familiar with the failings of Khalil Mack so far this season. Right. Plus, you know, the Raiders own that pick next year. And so they got to give John credit for a little sabotage he gave the Bears Eddie Pinheiro, who's missed all these kicks. So he's kind of uh, he's working on different levels. He definitely uh, is. <laughs> Pinheiro's awesome two games, I think, this year. So that's uh, it's a higher pick for the Raiders. So kudos to John for doing that also, for sabotaging them by giving them Pinheiro. I mean, have they become like they're savvy front office guys, right? Like, this is like, this is not a fluke. This is, they've made some good moves that people were kind of grousing about a year ago. And yeah, I mean, it's turned into a no, I mean, too far. Did I go too far? A lot of bad moves last year, and I think it's evened out. But definitely, I think um, this year, definitely, they're doing well. They've definitely gotten hot. I think they're kind of the hot hand, and so we're going to ride it out to see what happens. Vic, uh, last question for you, man. Uh, you coming to New York this week, or what? You traveling? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll be there. So, uh, what's, your, should be- what's your plan? Yeah, what are you doing? I have no plan yet. I'm going to probably uh, kind of move for a blues club, maybe. I'm a blues club on Saturday night, but uh, something, something mellow. But uh, no big plan. Just uh, hopefully the weather's okay and uh, we'll watch this big game between the Jets and the Raiders. 
Yeah, um, maybe another what, seven and four. <laughs> That's nuts, man. That's crazy. When you consider that road trip, that you know, the worst road trip in the history of the NFL, they somehow survived that, and they're now have a chance to make the playoffs. So definitely, it's uh, it's been a really wild ride this year. Yeah, and also by oh, by, you know, I buried that in the middle of notes. Uh, I love the boys. I just want to bring that up. I know we don't do much pop culture on the show anymore, but I saw your note at the end about uh, yeah, I, oh man, parenting because I heard about that show and I heard it was like you know about superheroes. So I have a daughter; she's twelve. So we sat down and watched the first fifteen minutes of it. <laughs> Get out! I realized that I made a big mistake. So I said, "Don't tell your mom <laughs> about this." Of course, she sold me out. She told her mom that she saw those girls. You know, body exploding, hands, you know, just uh, it was not good. But, yeah, it was a great show. I definitely uh, it got better as the year went on, and I really enjoyed it. I guess there is a nice wholesome message for, like, a 12-year-old girl at the end, though, really through, like, all the, the adult make, themes. Yeah, you you know, that, there's no way she can make it that far. Like, it's there's too much that goes on that she can't see. But, yeah, there's a yeah. good message somehow at the very end. But, nah. <laughs> <laughs> she lasted. I think she saw the uh, the deeps uh, butt cheeks at one point, and I was like, oh, man, I'm I'm in deep trouble. So uh, we, we pulled apart that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, inappropriate for 12-year-old probably. No, I don't think about that. But, yeah. Uh, no, anyway, no, man. No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Vic. I said no doubt. No doubt. Inappropriate. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot. I, I didn't uh, plug the State of the Nation podcast. Check out Vic on that. Follow Vic on Twitter at Vic, T-A-F-U-R. Um, and, hey, if you're in New York, Blues Club on Saturday night, maybe you run into him. Ask him some yeah, of these questions. That's the plan. <laughs> Uh, dude, th- thanks a lot, by the way, for for taking part in the uh, in the beat writer roundup we do every week. You know, Beller, our producer, is in charge of that now, so we both appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's cool. The people love it, so thank you. All right, guys, take care. All right, thanks a lot, Vic. Mm-hmm.